We turn in God's Word tonight to John chapter 4. John 4. I've been preaching a series through the Gospel according to John, and this is the last text that I preached in my own congregation. Tonight the text will be the first 18 verses of John 4. We're going to read the first 26 verses of the chapter. This is the Word of God. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. And we'll stop our reading there. It should be noted that in the verses that follow, 
We read that this woman goes into the town nearby and tells others that the Messiah has come and he is there and they go out and they uh, hear his preaching and many others believed in Jesus Christ there as well. As we look at John 4 tonight, the first 18 verses, there are a couple of things that we want to keep in mind. The first one is that as you read through the Gospel according to John, you see that Jesus Christ saves many different kinds of people. That comes out in a special way in a contrast between chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you go back to John chapter 3 at the beginning of the chapter, you read about Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Remember who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was part of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus was a highly educated man. He had a Greek name, and that Greek name would indicate that he had one of the best educations that you could have in that day. Nicodemus was somewhat famous. He was well-known. He was known as a man of morality as well. But in contrast to Nicodemus, there's the Samaritan woman in John 4. She's simple, common, uneducated, we're going to see tonight, immoral, and even nameless. We don't even know the woman's name. But Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman both needed the same thing. They needed the grace of God. They needed to be saved from their sins. They needed Jesus Christ. They needed to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And thus we see that Jesus saves different kinds of people in the world. The gospel is for all kinds of different people, regardless of sex or race or education or wealth or social position. And we must never think then that there are some for whom the gospel does not go, and it's not for them, but we must see and understand that the gospel goes forth among the nations, and Jesus Christ gathers his people from all kinds of different people who are here on this earth. The second thing that we want to keep in mind as we look at this text tonight is that Jesus has something to say about our thirsting. I'm not talking about physical thirst, but I'm talking about a spiritual thirst. So that the question that comes to each of us personally tonight as we look at this passage is this, for what do you thirst? It's an important question because everybody thirsts for something. When I talk about thirst, I'm talking about desire. Everyone in the world desires something. They desire something to give them joy in their lives. They desire something to give them satisfaction in their lives. They desire something to try and find rest in their lives. And the world 
sets before us many different things and promises that kind of rest for our souls, but the reality is it will never be found in anything in this world. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And so the important question that we face as we look at this passage tonight is, do we thirst for Christ in the living water that's found in Him and in Him alone? Are we trying to find it from something else? Or are we saying, well, yeah, Christ, but then over here there's the other other things that we're thirsting for as well. May the Lord Jesus Christ, by His powerful Spirit, work in us tonight so that we have a greater thirsting for Him and for the living water that is found in Him and in Him alone. And that's what we consider in this text. Our theme says that the source of living water. The source of living water is Jesus Christ himself. That's our, our theme. The source of living water. We notice first the idea of this. Secondly, the drinking of that living water, which is the activity of faith. And then finally, the blessing. The blessing for those who drink is they will never thirst again. But first the idea. Jesus goes to Samaria to seek and to save a woman who is lost. He went through Samaria to save one of his own. We know that from the text itself in verse 4 when we read, and he must needs go through Samaria. This is not necessary geographically. In fact, an argument could be made that passing through Samaria was more inconvenient for Jesus and his disciples. But the text tells us that it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. And it was necessary because he had to go there to save one of his own. We see in this history the loving care of Jesus Christ for a lost sinner that he came to save. Not only do we see that he went there to save a lost sinner, but we see that our Lord Jesus Christ expended himself for the salvation of this lost sinner. He expended himself. So that by the time he comes to this well in Samaria, he was exhausted. The woman finds him resting on the wall of that well. He's sitting down. His disciples had gone into the nearby village to find food for them. Our Savior was exhausted. We see in that his humanity, but we also see in that the love of Jesus Christ for a lost sinner. But there's more to it even than that. Our Savior, as he talked to this Samaritan woman, crossed certain cultural boundaries that are surprising. He did things that were culturally unacceptable in his day. And there are three such things to note here. First of all, he spoke to this woman, although she was a Samaritan. Now for us, that might not seem like a big deal, But it wasn't that day, and we know why. The Samaritans were Gentiles. 
And remember why it was that the Samaritans were Gentiles. This goes back to the history of Israel. Remember when the northern kingdom of Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians. Most of the people of the northern kingdom were taken out of the land. But the Assyrian government brought others to live in that land so that the people were replaced. When they moved into that land, there were lions in the region and those lions were killing many of the people that had moved into the land And the judgment of those people was that the God of that land was angry with them. So they asked the Assyrian government to send somebody to teach them about the religion of the people who lived there before they did. And so they sent some of the Israelites who taught them how to worship the one true and living God. They learned how to do it, but they didn't give up their idols. So the people that lived in Samaria were Gentiles that practiced a mixed religion. They worshipped the God of Israel on the one hand, but they also worshipped their idol gods. It was for that reason that the Jews hated them and avoided all personal contact with them. But Jesus speaks to this Samaritan woman. Secondly, he does that. He crosses this cultural boundary. Secondly, in talking to her, although she was a woman, You see, it was scandalous in that day for a teacher to speak to a woman. Yet, Jesus speaks to this woman not concerned about his own reputation as a teacher. And thirdly, Jesus asked her for a drink. What that meant was sharing a cup. Again, that was taboo for a Jew to share a utensil with a Samaritan. But Jesus didn't care about any of those things. He does these things because he's come to seek and to save the soul of this woman. There's something else we should see here. This was a woman who is lost and in need of the living water that is found in Jesus Christ. Not only was this woman a Samaritan, But we know that this woman was entrenched in her sin. That's evident from a couple of things in the text. First of all, it's evident from the very time in which he came to that well. The timing is told us in the text, and it's there for a reason. We shouldn't skip over that. We read it's the sixth hour. That means it's the middle of the day. You wouldn't normally find a woman coming to a well in the middle of the day. Why not? Well, it's the hottest part of the day. Normally, a woman would come with other women to a well early in the morning when it's cooler, or they would come together toward the end of the day, and they would get the water that they needed for that day or for that evening. She comes in the middle of the day all by herself. Why? Well, this tells us that she was ostracized in that society. She she was a pariah in that city. And that would tell us that even the people of this city, although they were Gentiles, looked on her for some down on her because of something that she had done. That would be an indication of her immorality and sin. But we know very specifically that there was a sin in which she was walking. That's the purpose of Jesus asking her in verse 16 Go call thy husband and come hither. He's drawing out of her her sin. And she responds, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says then, well, you said right you don't have a husband because you had been married to five other men and now you're on the sixth. 
And it wasn't simply that this woman had been divorced or separated from all of these men and remarried many, many times. But what this tells us about her heart is that she was seeking satisfaction in men. She was seeking satisfaction. She was seeking joy in men. She was seeking that. And thus, that tells us that she's a sinner who is in need of Jesus Christ. But in her, we learn something about ourselves. We learn something about our own sinfulness. And what we learn about our own sinfulness is not that we might try to find joy and satisfaction in a a man or a woman, although that can certainly be true. But the reality is, is one of the sins that we can struggle with is trying to find joy and satisfaction in something other than Jesus Christ Himself. That was the sin of this woman. She was trying to find joy and satisfaction in this life. And how often aren't we trying to do the same? Now stop and think a moment. If we came across a woman like this, what would we do? A woman that it would be culturally unacceptable to speak to. On top of that, she's a great, great sinner, divorced and remarried many times. What would we do? It's very easy from our perspective to dismiss this woman and think, well, she's not worthy of the gospel. There's there's no way. There's no way. And we would not bring the gospel to her. But our Lord Jesus Christ didn't think that way. He didn't look down on her. And we're reminded here to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to all those around us, even those who are walking in great sin in their lives. They need good news, and we don't know how it is that God will bring or use the bringing of that good news to someone who is deeply entrenched in their sin. But our Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes to the Samaritan woman, he preaches the gospel that he is the source of living water. Now, that's our theme tonight, and that's the, the main idea here that we want to understand. Jesus Christ is the source of living water. Our Lord Jesus Christ uses his request at that well, the request that she would give him drink from the well, to teach about this very truth, that he is the source of living water. That he is the source of living water that she desperately needs. So a few things here we want to look at. The first question is this. What is living water? Our Lord Jesus Christ here employs the figure of water because water is necessary for life. Of course, we know that from the perspective even of our own bodies. We need water to live because our bodies and their makeup, much of it is is water. So we need plenty of hydration. Water gives life and we don't drink water, our bodies can't live. But you can see that from another perspective as well, even looking at the creation. Many years ago when I was living in Colorado, 
I can remember at times flying into the Denver airport, and maybe some of you have flown into the Denver airport before, especially in the summertime. And as you look at the landscape below over Nebraska and then eastern Colorado, you'll notice in the brown landscape these green circles or square circles. Er, squares. Green squares, sorry. Green circles, green squares. Why are they green? Because of irrigation. If you don't irrigate in that part of the country, things will not grow. Water gives life. And that's part of the idea of what Jesus is saying here. There is a water that gives life, although he's talking about it not from a physical point of view, but from a spiritual point of view. He's using the physical idea, water gives life, to show that there is a living water that gives spiritual life. But also, this idea of living water is this also. It's refer, Jesus referring here to fresh running water in contrast to stagnant water that may be in a, in a pool or a puddle or even in a shallow well. That when it stagnates, it can become diseased, disease-infected and be bad for us if we would drink it. So living water referred to fresh running water water. But what's the purpose of Jesus using this figure? Well, it's this. Living water refers to the life-giving and soul-satisfying grace of God. In the grace of God, there's life, spiritual life. This living water refers to all of the blessings of salvation that Jesus Christ has earned for us. We read in Isaiah 12, verse 3, Therefore with joy shall ye draw out of the wells of salvation. There, notice that idea of water and the wells of salvation. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. This living water is the work of the Holy Spirit bringing to God's people the blessings of salvation that Jesus Christ has earned for us. Jesus speaks of that in John chapter 7. John 7. We read there in verses 36 through 39, What manner of saying is this that, ye, that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And now here's the explanation in verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So this living water is the Spirit, and what the Spirit brings to us, His people. This living water is the transforming power of the Gospel that gives eternal life and satisfies like nothing else does. So that's living water. Second thing to notice about this living water is that this living water satisfies our greatest need. And it's the only thing that does. Nothing else satisfies this need. That's evident from, for this woman. 
There's nothing else that satisfied her needs, certainly not men. We see and understand then tonight that a life of sin cannot satisfy. The Samaritan woman was pointed, uh, that was pointed out by Jesus to the Samaritan woman here. A life of sin cannot satisfy. Trying to find satisfaction in man after man after man, it will not produce satisfaction and joy in the end. And that's an important word for us as well, for all of us, children, young people, adults, a life of sin will never lead to joy and satisfaction. We cannot find it in the things of this earth. We can't find it in control. We can't find it in power. We can't find it in being the best at academics or sports or in our work. We can't find it in popularity. We can't find it in friends. We can't find it in people. We can't find it in things. We can't find it in money. None of these things satisfy. They're there for a moment And then they're gone. To try to find satisfaction in sin or in the things of this life is like taking your drinking water directly out of the Grand River. Just recently, because of all of the flooding, everybody is warned, don't have any contact with the Grand River. Don't fish in the Grand River. Don't go, no one's going to go swimming in the Grand River at this time of year, but stay away from the Grand River. But to try and find satisfaction in the things of this life is like going down to the Grand River and filling up all of our water bottles with the water that's found there and drinking that day after day. What's going to happen? We're going to get sick. And we could even die from that. That's what it is to go after all the things that are found here in this earth. The living water of the blessings of salvation That's the only thing that satisfies the need of our sin. Our greatest need is the same as the Samaritan woman's greatest need. We need freedom from the punishment of sin. We need freedom from the power and dominion of sin in our lives. And the only thing that can set us free is Jesus Christ and salvation in Him. And that's the final thing we notice here about this living water. The source of it is Jesus Christ Himself. Notice how Jesus emphasizes that here. First of all, in verse 10, Jesus says there, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. He's emphasizing he's the source of that living water. Again in verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the source of this living water. This is what that means. Jesus Christ is the source of all that we need to be saved. He's the source of all that we need to enjoy eternal life. Eternal life is found alone in him. It's because of who he is. Yes, we see his humanity here. We also see that he is the Son of God. He's the Savior who died and rose again. Therefore, everything that we need is found in him. That's the idea of Jesus Christ being the source of this living water. Now, what Jesus commands us 
as he commands that Samaritan woman, is that we drink. That we drink. Jesus sets before the Samaritan woman the living water and the source of this water, but she does not thirst yet for that water. Jesus is saying to her, drink, but she doesn't drink right away. And so we want to see and understand that first of all. And that helps us to understand the idea positively of this drinking, which really is the activity of faith. At the beginning, this woman did not have faith. She doesn't understand. She's confused by the words of Jesus. That's evident from her initial response to Jesus. In fact, her her initial response to Jesus is somewhat comical to us who know what Jesus is getting at because we understand. She says, first of all, to Jesus, Jesus, you talk about living water and getting water, but you don't even have a pail to drop down into a well and get water out of a well. How are you going to give me this living water? You don't have a pail. Of course, that tells us she doesn't understand it all. That's what she says in verse 11. And then in verse 12, she says, Art thou greater than her father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Again, she doesn't understand who she's talking to, and she doesn't understand at all what Jesus is saying to her. We might think, well, they're, they're missing each other. Well, they're not missing each other. This woman is missing what Jesus is saying because she doesn't yet have faith. And shows she, so she says, you're greater than Jacob? Jacob dug this well Uh, centuries ago. And this well, and it's known to be a very deep well, this well has provided water for generation after generation after generation of people that lived here. And you're going to provide something better than Jacob provided for us so long ago? She doesn't understand these things. She doesn't understand because she's blind. She's blind to the gospel. What we read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 is true of this woman. We read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So when she hears Jesus speaking of living water, All she thinks about is some kind of magical water that if she drinks it, she'll never have to go to that well again. She needed the same thing that Nicodemus needed. What was the word of Jesus to Nicodemus? Nicodemus, one can't see the kingdom of God except he's born again. Nicodemus needed to be born again. The Samaritan woman needed to be born again to understand what Jesus was speaking about. But there's something else we want to notice in the response of the Samaritan woman. In her blindness, the woman does want something from Jesus. What does she want from Jesus? Well, she wants this magical living water, but Understand why she wants it. Why does she want it? Well, she wants it because if she has this, it's going to free her from struggle and difficulty in her life. 
So she's looking at Jesus for something. What she's looking to him for is for deliverance from the suffering in her life. Look at verse 15. She says, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The idea is so that she doesn't have to come to this place and draw water out of the well again. Now, it wasn't just she wanted to be alleviated from work. It wasn't just she was a woman who was ahead of her time and she wanted indoor plumbing in her home. She wanted a pipe that led from Jacob's well right into her home. No, it's not that. What she wanted from Jesus is not to have to go to that well again because every time she went to that well, it was a reminder to her of her place in that city. Really, she had no place. She was hated and despised by all the other women of the city. She was reminded of the fact that she was a pariah in that city. She was essentially an outcast in that city. And if she didn't have to go to that well, she wouldn't have to be reminded of her place at the bottom of the barrel in that city. She could be free from the rejection of the other women of that city. And so she could get on board with some kind of help from Jesus. But she thinks her greatest need is simply to have her suffering taken away. We should take a moment and consider ourselves in that regard too. What about us? Do we follow Jesus just for that? Do we look to Jesus to make our lives easier? Do we go to Jesus for relationship advice and a life free from stress and a life free from being rejected by others? There are times in our lives where that can sound very good. And the thing that we would need the most. But it's not our greatest need. Because even if we receive that from Jesus, we will remain thirsty and we will, be, will never be satisfied. The thing we need to understand and know tonight is that nothing but God satisfies our souls. Do we know that? Nothing but God and His Son, Jesus Christ, satisfies our souls. You're familiar with the church father, Augustine. He lived long ago. Augustine wrote a book called The Confessions. And in that book, he spoke about his past before he was converted by the work of the Holy Spirit. He talked about his sin in his youth and how God had changed him. One of the things that he wrote in his book called The Confessions is this. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Beloved, that's so true for us. Our hearts will remain restless unless we're resting in Him. We all want rest. And so many times in our lives, we're restless 
because of what's going on around us, because of what's going on right in maybe in our own homes, because of what's going on within family, because of what's going on within the church, because of what's going on in this world. And maybe it's all of those things together. Where do we find rest and peace? Resting in the God who holds all things in his hand and who saves us fully and completely in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Beloved, what you in need for our restless souls is the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. We need Jesus Christ, our Savior, who saves from sin and gives the highest blessings. And so understanding that, the word of God comes to us as it did to that Samaritan woman, drink, drink. What does it mean to drink? Well, the spiritual drinking is the activity of faith by which the child of God holds on to the blessings of salvation that are found in Jesus Christ. Again, this drinking is the activity of faith holding on to what we have in Jesus Christ. This faith is work in us. It's the gift of God. It's the Holy Spirit who works it in us. This Samaritan woman didn't have it at first. But then the Spirit worked. And she remembers what she had heard about one who is the Christ or the Messiah. And she asks, well, she doesn't really ask, but that's the question on her mind. And Jesus says to her, I that speak unto thee am he. And then she goes into the city and she tells others about it. You see a change in her unbelief. Now the light goes on. The blindfold has been taken away. She believes and knows that everything she needs is found in him. What is this drinking then? Well, it includes knowledge. It includes the knowledge of the way that we are of ourselves. Those who drink the living water know that they need the living water. And they know that they need the living water because they know their sin and their need for Jesus Christ. We are those who know the lack that we have. We, we are empty of ourselves and we're empty of ourselves because of the sin that is found within us, that sin which never satisfies and never leads to anything good. We know that we are sinners in need of God's grace and in need of his mercy to have everlasting life. Do you know this? Secondly, This drinking includes a confidence or trust, not just a knowledge of the way that I am of myself and the need that I have, but there's a confidence or trust. There's a a true and living faith in Jesus Christ. To drink is to believe that God delivers from the mire of sin and He makes us His sons and daughters through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's to believe that there is pardon for all of my sins, every one of them, and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's to believe that there is a power that exists that gives me the ability to overcome sin in my life. It's not my own strength and power. It's the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. And there is then everlasting life. I believe that and I know that. That is my confidence again because of what Jesus Christ has done. Those who drink have that confidence and that trust. And therefore, those who drink seek 
the living water that is found in Jesus Christ. And that's the question again that you and I face from this passage tonight. Are we seeking everything that we need in Jesus Christ? Or are we seeking joy and satisfaction in our lives and other things? Where are you seeking it right now? It can happen to other things in our lives become very big, become very important, so that we give our heart and mind and soul and strength to the pursuit of these things. And we give our heart and mind and soul and strength to the pursuit of these things because we think these things will satisfy. And, and it can be almost anything. A mom can throw herself into the work of being a mom trying to be this super perfect, super mom that, that does everything and has it all under control, at least gives the impression that she does because I'm going to look good in front of others. That's what I need to do. And a man as well who wants to have it all together, the father of the year, and the husband of the year, and along with that, being a, a, an example at work, and a good employee, or running a good business, and trying to make believe that we've got it all together, and thinking, I'm going to find something in that, that's the way I've got to be. Well, it's not, of course, that we shouldn't try to be good fathers, and, and good husbands, and good employees, or good employers, we should, but all for the glory of God, not for ourselves, uh, to fill us up with that. Or we think that we'll find good in relationships. We have a lot of friends and we're popular among people. And everybody thinks, oh, he's a great guy. And she's a wonderful girl to be around. There's no satisfaction in those things. Relationships are good and there's joy to be found in them. But in the end, we will not find our happiness in those things. Those who drink of the living water know their need for the living water and find everything that they need in the source of that living water. And so that's where we go. On Sunday, we come here. Why? Because I need living water. I need to hear of the riches of salvation in Jesus Christ. And when I'm at home, why do we have family worship? Because I need the living water. I need to hear of Jesus Christ, but it's not just at those moments. It's what I need through the whole of my life. So I'm thinking about him. I'm living for him, not for myself, not for this world, but living for him and seeking him in all of my life and everything that I do and dependence upon him, knowing my weakness and sin. So drink, believe in him, seek him. That's what Jesus Christ is calling us to in this passage, and know, and know that there is a great blessing. There is a great blessing for those who do by the grace of God. That blessing is found in verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We have this living water when the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. When the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, what that means is we have a fountain in us that never runs dry. The Holy Spirit is this fountain 
that continues to provide everything that we need for our souls and our lives each and every day, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, have this constant fountain of everlasting life in us. And it never dries up. And just think what that fountain gives to us. We have an ever-flowing fountain of spiritual power that opens up to us faith, godliness, and unfailing spiritual joy. Did you hear that? Faith, godliness, life, unfailing spiritual joy. Who doesn't want that? The world wants joy. The world wants peace. Beloved, you and I have it. And we have a fountain that never runs dry of all of these blessings. Then why in the world? Why in the world would we try to find this joy and satisfaction somewhere else? As we so often do. There are far too many of us turning away from this fountain of everlasting life and seeking satisfaction, life, and joy, and sin, and the things of this life, and things that don't satisfy. So the word of God to us is this. Know this blessing. It's a blessing for us in this life and in the life which is to come. It's ours because of the work of Jesus Christ. Don't forsake it. Don't turn away from it but be focused on Christ. Seek him and the living water that is found in him and in him alone. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we need Jesus Christ. We need this living water. We are thankful for the gift that thou has given to us in him. Forgive us when we seek satisfaction and joy in other things. And where we are, turn us from that. Expose it to us. And help us, O God, to seek all that we need in Thy Son, Jesus Christ, and the saving work that He has accomplished by His death and His resurrection. And O God, strengthen our faith that not only we would seek Him, but drink that living water that is ours in Him. And may we rest in thee. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.